from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief, Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. You guys believe it? Countdown for the end of the year is here. That's it. Tomorrow, December 1st, from there on out, 30 days and counting till the end of 2022. Welcome 2023. Now, I'm not going to do any cliche. What is cyber going to look like in 2023? Said it. I've had people like send me emails going, you want to do an episode? Talk about, you know, cliche um, predictions for 2023. No, I do not. I've found that content to be absolutely useless and only virtually mildly entertaining um we are going to have conversations that are more practical about what 2023 is going to look like because there are some stories today and we're going to get to that and i've got eight different stories this morning for y'all so we're going to get right into this morning's show good morning anthony good morning scott thank y'all for tuning in really appreciate you being here live linkedin facebook youtube go subscribe um find us on twitch find us on youtube find us everywhere um, you enjoy to get your content and the audio podcast, obviously on your favorite podcast listening platform, give us a five-star rating there while you're at it. My double espresso, lots of stories today. We're going to get into that coffee cup. Cheers. When is SolarWinds 2.0 taking bets? I'm saying in the next 14 days, that's just my guess. It's on the record now, Scott. All right, y'all Chrome 108 patches, a high severity memory safety bug. Another update for Chrome. You want to make sure you get this uh, updated across your entire ecosystem um, within your organization. Uh, this is a, uh, it, it addressed 28 vulnerabilities, including 22 reported by external researchers. Um, so uh, several of these are medium vulnerabilities, several are high. You want to make sure you get Chrome updated. I'm not going to get stuck on this one, gentlemen. The Trigona ransomware is being spotted in increasing attacks worldwide. The previously unnamed ransomware that's been rebranded under the name Trigona launched a new Tor negotiation site where they accept Monroe as ransom payments. Yesterday on the show, I talked about kind of like, not yesterday on the show, sorry, wasn't on this show. I'm recording a new season of CISO Talk. We're recording an episode yesterday with my good buddy, Patrick Benoit, and I was talking about the crypto market collapse and FTX and how that's going to change the way cyber criminals operate. We're seeing Monroe kind of be that. Uh, Trigona has been active for some time. Samples have been seen at the beginning of the year. However, those samples utilized emails for negotiations and were not branded under any specific name. Now they do have a name. This was discovered by the Malware Hunter team starting in late October of this year. The ransomware operation launched and they called themselves Trigona. The ransomware itself supports various command line arguments that determine whether local or network files are encrypted. If a Windows auto run key is added, and whether a test victim or campaign ID should be used. Um, when encrypting file, Tricona will encrypt all files on a device except those in specific folders, such as Windows and Program File folders. In addition, the ransomware will rename encrypted files to use the .locked extension. Um, within the uh, environment, the ransomware will also embed an encrypted uh, decryption key, the campaign ID, and the victim ID in the encrypted files a ransom note named how to decrypt.hta will be created in each scanned folder this note displays information about the attack a link to the tour negotiation site and a link that copies an authorization key into windows clipboard needed to log in to the tour negotiation site so you can see that they've really given this a lot of thought so something to keep in mind here and watch for 
as this new ransomware spreads. If you're into IT and OT, right? I'm a big, big proponent that one of the biggest challenges in our supply chain is the fact that our critical vendors, and what I mean critical, like electric and internet, are, are very outdated. And Forescout's disclosed now the details of three new vulnerabilities that have been identified by its researcher and operational technology products from both Fisto and Codices. The, the, they're identified as part of the OT icefall research that led to the public disclosure of 56 different vulnerabilities in OT products from a multitude of vendors. These issues are another exemplification of insecure by design approach common at the time that the impacted products were launched, meaning security wasn't top of mind. Codasys is an automation suite used in over a thousand device models from over 500 manufacturers. Any vulnerability potentially impacts millions of products. Festo's automation platform is employed in electric and pneumonic systems, mainly in the manufacturing sectors. Two of the newly discovered vulnerabilities, CVE 2022-3079er and 3270, impact several Festo automation controls, while the third, CVE 2022-4048, was identified in the Codasys runtime. These issues are similar to others that have been recently disclosed as part of the Icefall project. The 4048 CVE is an example of weak cryptography, 3079er exemplifies lack of authentication and 3270 falls in the category of insecure engineering protocols. Um, these products are shipped with an unsafe configuration of the Codesys runtime environment. And you can obviously tell that um, this could have significant downstream impact. There's no patches for these yet. There is an advisory uh, from the manufacturers on it. In other good news, Let's Encrypt issued 3 billion certificates, securing 309 million sites for absolutely free. So Let's Encrypt, a a free kind of encryption and authentication certificate authority, has issued its 3 billionth certificate this year. Good for them and good for this project altogether. I thought that was noteworthy this morning. Developers have been warned of a critical remote code execution flaw in the Quarkus Java framework. Developers have been warned that the popular Quarkus framework is affected by a critical vulnerability that could lead to remote code execution. Available since 2019, Quarkus is an open-source Kubernetes native Java framework designed for uh, Graal VM and hotspot virtual machines. It's tracked a CVE 2022-4116 CVSS score of 9.8. The security defect was identified in the dev UI config editor and can be exploited via drive-by local host attacks. Exploiting the vulnerability isn't difficult, can be done by a malicious actor without any privileges, according to researchers. But because the local host bound services are in fact accessible from the outside, an attacker can create a malicious website, target developers who are using vulnerable instances in Quarkus. If a developer is running Quarkus locally, visits a website with malicious Java, that JavaScript can silently execute code on the developer's machines. And that's that. The researchers has published proof of concept code that launched a calculator application on the target machine, but warns that malicious exploitation of the bug could have broad impact depending on the access the developer has to secret keys, servers, and other resources. This could also have an impact on your GitHub repositories and so much more once someone gets in. Quarkus announced that the patch uh, for CV 2022-4116 has been included in the 2.14.2 final and 2.13.5 point final releases of the framework warning that malicious actors could exploit the bug to gain local access and to update as soon as humanly possible. Something good to have there. Are you ready for some outrage this morning? You ready for it? 
Australia, who seems to have absolutely lost their mind as a country with a government that's absolutely lost its mind, with a cybersecurity minister there, by the way, who's absolutely lost their mind, um, passed a bill to fine companies up to $50 million for data breaches. So you're a victim of a crime, and you're going to end up having to pay $50 million or 30% of an entity's adjusted turnover in the relevant period or three times the value of any benefit obtained through the misuse of information, whichever is greater. The current fine is $2.2 million. It's been bumped to 50. The turnover period is the duration from when the contravention occurred to the end of the month when the incident is officially addressed. Significant privacy breaches in um, recent months have shown existing safeguards are outdated and inadequate. These reforms make clear to companies that the penalty for a major data breach can no longer be regarded as the cost of doing business. The legislation itself that's been called the Privacy Legislation Amendment Bill 2022 also bestows more powers to the Australian Information Commissioner to address security breaches. The bill, which has been tabled for wider reforms as part of the Privacy Act of 1988, now awaits royal assent to be formally signed into law. You can imagine how many organizations are just going to walk away knowing that they could potentially face this. Um, I haven't read the full bill, so I don't know the, all the details of it, but let's get more money out of victims while we're at it. A self-replicating malware is being used by China to, by Chinese, sorry, cyber spies, and it's spreading via USB drives. So the China-linked cyber espionage group tracked as UNC41901 has been observed using self-replicating malware and USB drives to infect target and the technique could allow them to steal data from air-gapped systems, according to Google's Mandiant. UNC41901 has been observed targeting public and private entities in Southeast Asia, Asia Pacific, Europe, and the U.S., with a focus on the Philippines, deploying legitimately signed binaries to side-load malware. As part of the investigated activity, the threat actor used malware families such as um, uh, Mist Cloak Launcher, the Dark Dew Dropper, and the Blue Haze Launcher, the attackers also deployed the NCAT command line networking utility and a reverse shell on the target machine to achieve backdoor access to the compromised systems. The malware self-replicates by infecting new removable drives that are plugged into compromised systems, allowing the malicious payloads to propagate to additional systems and potentially collect data from air-gapped systems. The infection cycle starts with the user connecting an infected removable drive to their machine, which triggers the execution of a version of the USB network gate application to sideload mist uh, cloak a piece of malware um, loads an INI file containing dark dew, which is designed to achieve persistence and infects USB drives when they are connected to the system. Blue Haze is executed. The third phase of the infection chain was designed to execute a renamed NCAT executable, which creates a reverse shell to a hard-coded command and control server. So China sparing no uh, expense at spying uh, regionally and globally with self-replicating malware. And finally, if you haven't seen the news, this is bad for our industry. Um, a warning over the annual, uh, sorry, the quarterly um, a, uh, reviewing report by CrowdStrike um, has downgraded their rating and as such brought a bunch of other cybersecurity companies down with it. CrowdStrike's share sank 20% before the bell after the company's forecast uh, current quarter revenues on Tuesday fell short of analyst estimates, while Piers Zscaler, Sentinel-1, and Palo Alto all fell between 2 and 6.2% 6 yesterday. 
macroeconomic headwinds, uh, elongated sales cycle, and smaller uh, with smaller customers caused some larger customers to pursue multi-phase subscription start dates, according to CEO George Kurtz. The results are the latest in a series of dour reports from cybersecurity firms whose business boomed during the pandemic, but are now seeing a slowdown, making them a hot target for private equity buyouts. Resilient but not immune is the theme that will likely dominate the narrative during our October quarter uh, October quarter cohort earnings cycle. Both Palo Alto and now CrowdStrike have talked about the macro weakness entering the picture on their earning calls, sending a signal to brace for further potential weakness from other vendors in the space. And this is why this is bad for InfoSec, Jolin. Um, any CISO, any, any person in security, um, we rely on our security partners for R&D to get ahead of the game. Once your revenue starts to fall short, once you have to start cutting workforce, you're starting to cut from places in the business where you think there's fat. Sometimes that's also R&D. You're not pursuing as much R&D. Um, you're just trying to make it through the slowdown. We don't know how long this recession is going to be. We don't know how long this impact will, will look like. But if you don't think the macroeconomics and the inflations are going to impact the way and the tools that we practitioners can have and the innovation that's going to show up and potentially startups that now never make it beyond an idea or a PowerPoint because investors are weary of now investing in security stocks because valuations are going to go down because founders aren't going to match it because VCs are going to want more than what they bargained for. If you don't think this is going to have a, a global impact around how we as practitioners practice security going forward, I think we're in for a, for a, for a rude awakening at some point. This recession and these vendors are uh, going to need the support. And obviously with budget cutbacks and so much more coming through, we could, um, we need to be more, more sensitive and we've got to find a way together as a community and as a team um, to, to get through what's going on right now. Folks, that's it for the show. We ran over today a lot of different stories, but I wanted to cover it all. And by the way, this, this if you're asking, what are you looking at for 2023? It's right here, the macroeconomics of our industry. Um, it's going to be weighing part of every decision I make in, in whatever new role I decide to take on a CISO. Um, um, you know, over the next several months um, and, and the vendors I partner with. Absolutely. If, if you don't think that's part of my consideration, you're, you know, I, I think that'd be false. And if you're a CISO and you're not considering it, you should. Um, it, 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 it'll have significant impact. Folks, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more to wrap up this week and kick off December with some holiday cheer. Have a great rest of your day and most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.